Good morning. Um, if you have your word with you this morning, we're going to be in John 16, um, and we're going to get to that in just a second. But before we get there this morning, um, before we get there this morning, I just feel like maybe there's a couple of us uh, that need just a moment, just a moment to kind of set in um, this moment with God. Um, so I'm just going to give us a moment of quiet. This morning, we just want to be, um, we just want to be open to what you want to do. God, this morning, move in us like we've never seen before. God, we need you. I need you. I'm not going to stop until I get there. Thank you, Lord. Um, we're going to be in John 16 this morning, and we're going to start a new series. Um, uh, and I'm really excited about it. Uh, I don't know how long it's going to be. I don't know how many weeks we're going to do this. It's going to be a little weird. Uh, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. Um, yeah, uh, which is weird for a lot of us. Uh, especially maybe if you grew up certain denominations it's not maybe a thing you talk about a whole lot like you know he exists and you want him to show up during worship because that's like the feeling you get right where it's like oh man this is good let's raise our hands um but aside from that like we don't know what he does we don't know who he is um and we don't really um, know what even his role is uh, in our lives. And I think for most of us, like, we, we're really comfortable with Jesus. If you're here this morning, um, you're probably at least, you know, like, mildly comfortable with Jesus because uh, you're here. <laughs> um, or at least the possibility of what Jesus might do. Because um, we hear and talk a lot about Jesus we know like what he's, his role is. He's a savior, right? He's, he's the guy who come left heaven above to come down here and to save a sinful man like us. And we're pretty comfortable with that. And you can go in church, talk about Jesus, and it's an awesome day. Uh, and we're even really pretty comfortable with like God the Father, right? The God above us, God creator, God, um, you know, Genesis chapter one God. We're pretty comfortable with God, maybe even more so than Jesus for some of us, um, but unless you're from like a select background, right, um, the Holy Spirit is weird for us. I grew up Baptist. I don't know if you know that or not. Um, maybe you do. I make fun of them a lot because it's the only one I know anything about. <laughs> it's not because I hate Baptist. Um, there's great things in, in the Baptist uh, faith. I got saved there, right? Like no matter what all the issues are, Jesus is there. I know that because I found him. Um, so there's something there. And if you grew up Baptist like me, maybe you, you grew up and you every once in a while hear somebody say, oh, the Holy Spirit. You know, okay, cool. Most of the time it was related to worship, right? Like, oh, the Holy Spirit's here this morning, guys. Like, and that means somebody cried. Or um, maybe like we had a couple people stand up on the second song, which is pretty moving, right? Uh, maybe, just maybe like somebody's hand went up. And, man, that was, like, it. That was, like, the Sunday. You're like, man, I need to be there. We're singing Victory in Jesus, and it's verse 3, and, like, two people have their hand up, and we're in the deal now because the Holy Spirit is here. And that's what we think the Holy Spirit does. We think he's just, like, this guy that shows up during the bridge, maybe, and moves into something. Um, 
But for the next few weeks, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit um, because he's really the forgotten promise of God. Amen. He's really the forgotten promise of God. God uh, is a Trinitarian God, we believe that. He's, he's God in three persons, blessed Trinity, if you know that song, right? And what that means is we got God the Father and God the Son, and then we have God the Holy Spirit. And we ignore the heck out of that guy. Right? God is three persons, right? But it's all the same God. It's one God, three forms, three representations. And we have God the Father, and we love talking about God the Father and praying to God the Father. And we got God the Son, and we love, like, you know, talking about God the Son. He's how we get saved. That's, that's an amazing thing. Um, but we only mention and or talk to and or talk about the Holy Spirit, like, once every six or seven years when something awesome happens. But man, it's the forgotten promise of God. See, the Holy Spirit is a pretty amazing thing, and we're going to talk about that, a pretty amazing person, let me say. And we're going to talk about that in the next few weeks, and I, I, mean, I hope it means as much to you as I'm hoping it does to me. But we're going to start that this morning in John 16. And uh, in John 16, we see Jesus talking to the disciples, a little background. Um, this is all out of one teaching that happens after uh, the Lord's Supper. If you kind of back up, Last Supper, if you kind of back up to John 13, we see Jesus kind of sit down in the beginning of that chapter and he washes the disciples' feet right before he's about to go to the cross. Such an amazing example uh, of, of his servant heart towards men. That the Son of God would come down here and he would actually touch his disciples, these un, unholy men, these unclean uh, men, that he would touch their feet right before he was going to go and wash away the sins they've committed. He washes the feet of these men. And he sats, sits down at the meal with these guys and he talks about, I'm about to be betrayed, I'm about to be kind of... Uh, delivered into the hand of sinful men by one of you guys at the table but I just want you to know like what's about to unfold this is my body that's broken for you I'm about to be shredded for your sins this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood this is the new promise of God that says if you believe in me you you can be set free of your sins it's not about living the right way and going and killing a bunch of lambs anymore there's a new covenant right and then he starts teaching them all these things. And he talks a couple times in these teachings. There's about three chapters of them about the Holy Spirit. But this morning we're going to focus on 16. And Jesus says, I have told you these things. And what he means is everything I've been preaching since chapter 13 to keep you from stumbling, to keep you from falling, to keep you from running away, to keep you from leaving. See, the reason it's important that we learn what Jesus says about things and learn kind of what Jesus is doing is because, man, there's, a, there's this temptation in us that just because we said a prayer, we just kind of write it out in the church and just want you to know, you'll leave. Right. If all you know about Jesus is, oh, I said that prayer and then I, I got saved and now I don't have to go to hell, you ain't going to be around very long. Because something's going to happen and life's going to get rough and you're going to think, oh, I said the prayer wrong and you're going to take off. But Jesus has taught us these things to keep us or told us these things to keep us from stumbling. And it says in two, they will ban you from synagogues. Imagine saying this, like you, you're, you're, the, you're the 11, 12 guys now that follow Jesus around all the time and, and now they're going to ban you from the synagogues, this is the religious center of your world. It says, in fact, a time is coming when anyone who kills you <laughs> You're going to get killed, uh, but anyone who does it um, will think he's offering service to God. Anybody who's going to, they're going to kill you, by the way. That's what he's saying to the disciples, all of you. 
But anybody who does it, they're going to think they're doing it in the name of God. And so he's saying, um, that's pretty kind of hefty for dinner talk, right? And um, in verse 3, it says, they will do these things because they haven't known the Father or me. They're going to do it because they don't know God. They're not killing you in the name of God. They don't even know God. They don't know me. But Jesus says in 4, but I have told you these things so that when their time comes... You may remember I told them to you. I'm telling you these things not to depress you and not to beat you up, but just to let you know, like, this is not me forgetting about you. When, when life gets hard, it's not I've forgotten about you and, and I'm not listening to your prayers and, and, and all that stuff. It's, it's, it's the plan, actually. This is how it's supposed to go down. It's not a surprise to me. This is, this is what being on this planet is like for you guys. And I tell you these things so that when the time comes, you're going to remember I already told you. And he says, I didn't tell you these things from the beginning because I was with you. And you see the conversation turn. And Jesus says in verse 5, but now I am going away to him who sent me. Can you imagine hearing this? You're sitting around dinner with Jesus. It's Passover meal. You've done it for like three and a half years with Jesus now. He's opened this bread and he's taken this cup and he's he's pretty much said the same thing every year. And this year he he changes the script a little bit and he's like, this is my body which is broken for you. This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. And they're hearing this and they're probably thinking, well, that's weird. Why is he saying that? But what they're still not wrapping their mind around is Jesus is about to die. He goes through this teaching. He tells them, hey, by the way, uh, you're gonna die. (laughs) And then he gets down here to verse 5, and he says, I'm going away, by the way, leaving. I'm not going to be here a whole lot longer. Can you imagine hearing that from Jesus? These guys who left everything to follow Jesus around for three and a half years, left their job, left their homes, left their family, left their livelihood, left every ounce of like career and opportunity behind. They left all that stuff. Some of these left, you know, pretty pretty nice sum of money to follow Jesus around. Matthew, tax collector, would have been in the nice clothes and the nice horse, right? Like he would have been that guy with a pocket full of money. And he left that here to follow Jesus. Three and a half years later, Jesus is like, oh, by the way, I'm going away. Peter left like a fishing company, right? He was like the fishing empire of the world over there on the Sea of Galilee. Like that's this guy. And, and, and he leaves all that. James and John, sons of Zebedee, leave their dad in the boat. Try going back to that. Like, I don't know what that's going to be like. Sorry we left you for three and a half years to do your thing, but we're back now. Everything they've done for three and a half years has been, hey, what, what do you want to do today, Jesus? Hey, where do you want to go today, Jesus? What, what, what do you want to say today? Who are we going to talk to? Where are we going to travel? What are we going to eat? What well do you want to sit down at for a while today? When do you, you want to rest Everything has been Jesus, Jesus, Jesus for three and a half years. And now Jesus says, but now I'm going away. What do you mean? We'll come, right? I even said that a couple times in some other sections. That wasn't part of the contract, Jesus. When I left you and I left everything, I thought, man, it was going to be me and you forever. I thought we were going to do this thing. I was going to go do whatever you did. You're like the Messiah, and we know that, and we see that. You can't leave. You can't walk away. You can't, like we left everything to follow you. How are you going to just leave? You can imagine the heart behind this conversation. It wouldn't have been an amazing thing here. Uh, And he says, I'm going away. But then he says, I'm going to him who sent me. I'm going to the Father. And then he says, and not one of you ask me, 
where are you going? None of the disciples would ask. It says in verse 6, Yet, because I have spoken these things to you, sorrow has filled your hearts. Jesus acknowledges here in the moment what they're thinking. Oh, I know that you're not excited about me leaving. I know that you are not really on board with this thing. I know that you guys are, are my best friends, and I've been with you for three and a half years, and I love you guys too, won't you know that? Uh, and, and I know you're heartbroken right now, and I know you don't see the picture right now, and I know you don't see the deal right now. You don't see all that I'm doing right now. And I know that right now you're thinking, what am I going to do? I know maybe some of you guys are counting the cost. I left everything to follow you, and now it feels like you're leaving, and I don't, I don't get that. And maybe you're thinking, was it worth it? And he acknowledges that. He says, I, I know that because I've said this, your hearts are filled with sorrow. I know you're filled with deep sadness right now. I know that, I know that it feels like you, you know, you, you, you're, you're freaking out a little bit on the inside. And nobody wants to ask me what's going on. <laughs> and I get that. But he says in verse 7, nevertheless. This word nevertheless um, basically just means but. It's just a fancy word for it. I know it feels like your world's falling apart right now. Can you imagine the disciples, everything three and a half years has been about Jesus, and here Jesus comes up, and he's like, by the way, I'm leaving. That shatters everything. That changes every ounce of everything, right? Like, what are you going to do now? Everything you've known for three and a half years is Jesus, and you don't know if you can just go back to what it's been. And he says, I know you're world's falling apart right now. I know you feel like that, but... Oh, I know it feels like everything just shattered kind of around you, but... Oh, I know it feels like the ground beneath your feet just kind of fell, like just dropped, but... And this is what he says. Um, Nevertheless, or but, I am telling you the truth. I'm telling you the truth. See, the truth of it is we didn't even have to have that verse because Jesus said it, right? Everything Jesus says is the truth. We, we need to wrap our heads around that as the church again. Not some of the stuff Jesus said is the truth or the stuff we can mentally agree with that Jesus says is the truth, but everything Jesus says is the truth. Jesus himself says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And, and if he doesn't mean that, then nothing he says is the truth. If everything is not the truth that Jesus says, nothing is. He has not the ability to lie. Who he is, who he is defined as, the very essence, the nature of Jesus is the truth. That every word you see in red is not somebody's opinion. It's reality. It's not, oh, that makes sense to me. It's reality. If your brain doesn't bow to that, there's nothing much I can do for you. It just is what it is. You have to let your feelings submit to the truth of Jesus. You have to let your comprehension submit to the truth of Jesus. It's what it says. I read a verse this morning where Jesus says, if you have faith and you believe, if you say to this mountain, get up, it will get up and be cast into the sea. Anything you ask in my name and believe, I will do. He either means that, right, or he doesn't mean that. It seems crazy. I go look at the mountains and I'm like, I don't, (laughs) you could get the biggest bulldozer in here in the world and I don't know that we could get this thing to the ocean. And you look at that and you're like, I can't really comprehend that, but it doesn't change the fact that it is truth. 
And what Jesus is saying right now is, hey, I'm about to tell you something, and it's going to sound crazy. It's going to sound ridiculous. It's actually going to sound pretty nuts, but I want you to know everything I say is the truth. What I'm about to tell you is not based on what you believe or what you see or what you comprehend. It is the truth because I'm saying it. And he says this, it is for your benefit that I go away. Oh, I'm leaving. And I know it feels like everything's crazy right now and your world's falling apart right now and everything's crashing around you right now. Uh, But let me tell you some truth. Let me just lay some truth on you for just a second. It's actually for your benefit. It's for your advance is what that word means. It's for your gain. It's for your profit. It's for your benefit that I go away. It's for your benefit that I leave. It's actually better is what Jesus is saying that I leave. Can you imagine hearing that? You've walked with Jesus for three and a half years. What could be better, right, than walking with Jesus? Like what, you, you look at that and you're like, Jesus, that's ridiculous. Can you, can you just hear Peter? What? <laughs> you're crazy. I can't imagine, any, I've walked on water with you. I can't imagine anything better than that. You remember that day that I proclaimed you as the Messiah? I can't imagine anything better than that. I've seen you wake people up from the dead. Like we literally walked over to Lazarus' tomb and everybody was crying. It was crazy. It was a funeral. And you're like, hey, come out. And he did. I can't imagine anything better than that. I've seen you you just talk to people who are lying on the ground who have never moved before. I knew some of them when they were kids. I know that even at birth, they couldn't move their legs. And you said, get up. And they got up. I can't imagine anything better than that. I've seen people who every day sit outside the temple and beg for money because they're blind and they can't move. And you just walked up and you're like, let me see those. And you rub their eyes and they, they could see. I can't imagine anything better than that. I can't imagine anything better than walking with you, Jesus. What do you mean it's for my benefit? You're crazy. You can't leave and, and, and there's nothing better than you. See, they got that in a way that we don't even get that. Because to us, it's all story. To them, they are eyewitnesses. Everything that's written in this book is written by somebody who actually saw it happen. We're struggling to believe. I don't know if I can come around that. And they're like, no, dude, I was there. And Peter's like, what are you? (laughs) You're crazy. What do you mean that there's something better? But if Jesus says it, right, and he says before it, it's the truth and Jesus can't lie, then whatever he's about to say has to be the reality. So maybe we just ask, what do you mean? We, we have to try to figure it out, right? What, what do you mean that there's something better? What do you mean that it's for our advantage? What do you mean it's for your benefit that, that you go away? And, and maybe you can come around it and you're like, okay, well, if you think about the cross, right? You think about the cross. I can see how maybe that would be like advantageous that you go away. They didn't get that. They didn't understand the cross was happening. Maybe that's what Jesus was talking about. Oh, you're going to go and you're going to die on the cross. Because see, the reality of it is if Jesus never would have went to the cross, I would still be dead spiritually. I I would still be bound by my sin and my shame. There would be no forgiveness. I would still be headed towards hell. That's a reality. It's not a popular reality, but it's pop- it is reality. doesn't matter if it's popular. And there would be nothing at all I could do about it, aside from the cross, right? So you can look at that, and you're like, okay, well, I see. Like, if you go, and the way you go is the cross, then I do have access to forgiveness. That, that's a good 
That, that sounds like a profit to me. Sounds like a benefit to me. And I, and I do have access to, to heaven now because uh, I was dead, but through your death, I now have life. Like, maybe that's, maybe that's profit to me. I can get that. And, and now, like, I have hope because I didn't have hope. And now, through the, through the death of Jesus, I have hope and I have a future and I have grace and I have access to all those things and I have access to you. And maybe you can come around that and you'd be like, okay, that, maybe that is a benefit. It sounds like a benefit. But what's crazy is, like, that's where we stop at, right? Okay, Jesus died on the cross, and now we have forgiveness, and now we have hope, and now we have all these things, and we have a future, and we have access to heaven, and that's great, and that's the benefit, but it's not at all the benefit Jesus was talking about. I will say, the cross is amazing. Like, thank God for the cross. Without the cross, I wouldn't have access to Jesus, so there wouldn't be a reason to stand here this morning. I wouldn't have access to heaven. There wouldn't be a reason to stand here this morning. I would still be, with, aside from the cross, I would still be covered in sin, shame, and guilt, and there'd be nothing I could do about it. There would be no forgiveness. It's only through the cross. There would be no hope. It's only through the cross. There would be no life. It's only through the cross. That, that is a benefit to me, but it's not at all the benefit Jesus was talking about, but it's the benefit where the church stops. Amen. Yeah. It is. The reason we're so uncomfortable actually talking about the Holy Spirit is because that's where we stop at, at the church. Oh, Jesus died, and then he rose again, and we think that's the end of the story, and we won't be, you know, in the presence of God, and we won't have access to God, and we won't whatever until he comes back. So what we do is we get saved, we say our prayer, and we sit in a chair, and if, as long as life doesn't get too crazy, we continue to sit in that chair, and we're just waiting on Jesus to come back or death. We're not going to do anything. We're not going to move. We're not going to experience anything because this is the best it gets. Can I just say this morning, you're settling for the less. Oh, the cross is an amazing thing. I'm not trying to diminish the cross this morning. But I just want you to know that is like the starting place of the grace of God. And if you're settling for that, you're settling for the less because it's not the benefit actually Jesus was talking about. Jesus, he knew he was going to the cross. We've talked about it for a while. Jesus knew that through his death, forgiveness would come. And he knew that hope would come and he knew that healing would come and he knew that for, like, heaven would be an opportunity and he knew there would be an ability for a relationship with God that would come out of that because we were spiritually dead, but through the death of Jesus, we have the ability to be spiritually alive. And that is an amazing thing. But can I just say, that's not the more that Jesus is talking about in this passage. When Jesus says, I tell you the truth, it is better for you that I go away. It's a benefit for you that I go away. It's a profit for you that I go away. It's a gain for you that I go away. He's talking about something different than just, oh, I'm going to die and you're going to be forgiven. Let's just read it. He said, it is a benefit that I go away because if I do not go away, the counselor, some of you have versions that say the comforter, will not come to you. But if I go away, I will send him to you. This is the benefit here that Jesus is talking about. Now we can look and we can take counselor for what it is. Jesus is going to send an advisor to us somebody that would give us advice with our problems i need a counselor right um and but this is not the one that i think of 
But Jesus says it's a benefit that I go away because if I don't go away, the counselor or the comforter will not come. Well, who is this counselor or comforter? We, we can look. This counselor or comforter is the Holy Spirit. It's the forgotten promise of God. See, in reality today, when he said this to the disciples, uh, just like he said it to us, we'd have been pretty underwhelmed. You hear that and you're like, okay, it's great. I would rather have Jesus. Really. If you're given the option today, and I'm sure Peter, James, John, all those guys were thinking this too. I don't want the counselor. Call him comforter. I don't want the comforter. If you don't go away, I'm not going to need comfort, right? If you're not going to go away, I'm not going to need counseling. I got you. I, I don't need any of that. I would just stick with Jesus. None, none of you may say that out loud or express that out loud, but I just want you to know we, we're all on board with this. I don't, I don't care what you think or what, what, you're, what you're saying in your head. We're all on board with this or we would see the Holy Spirit more, right? Because if I gave us the, if Jesus today gave us um, the option, um, well, I can come back and I can walk with you or you can continue just to have the counselor who would we pick? I mean, really, like if, you, if there was a contest today and you just put in your email and like signed up and it was like, uh, Jesus is going to hang out with you every day for the rest of your life, you'd type that in, wouldn't you? <laughs> I would. I'm going to be honest. Like, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be easy, right, if, if Jesus would just like meet you at the door in the morning, cup of coffee, here you go, brother, where are we going today? And you could, like, get in the car with Jesus, and he really could be your co-pilot, right? And you could just drive down to work. You wouldn't cuss anybody out on the way to work, would you? Because Jesus is sitting in the car. Uh, Jesus is here. i got to be Christian. <laughs> the boss is here. Um, that guy cut me off, and I would yell at him, but Jesus is over there. Like, that deal. Roll up into work. Get out of the car, he come around, open your door for you, and let you out, and hold the door for you on the way into work, and Jesus just sat beside you in your cubicle or wherever you sit at work every day, and Jesus just sits there, and then it's time for lunch, and you go out to lunch, and Jesus buys your lunch. I mean, he's, you know, the king of the universe, he can afford it, and he just buys your lunch, and then, you know, you go back in the car, and he's your co-pilot again, you take him back to work, and then he just sits there with the rest of the day, come home, doesn't matter what your, I mean, your day was obviously awesome, you don't have anything to complain about, because Jesus was there, but even if you did, you can't complain, because Jesus is there, right? <laughs> They would do everything you do at night, and then Jesus checks out at the door on the way or maybe just hangs out on your front porch to make sure nothing bad happens, right? <laughs> He's homeless. He can live outside. It's no big deal. <laughs> Sorry. That's how my brain works. Um, that wasn't preplanned. Um, and then he just does it again the next morning. I'm like, who wouldn't sign up for that? How are you going to feel like your life's falling apart if Jesus is right there? No, it's, it's fine, brother. I got this. Like, I'm the king. I've, I've, you've seen what I can do. Yeah. <laughs> I've healed people. There's no way they counted them out. I've healed them. Uh, I've, you know, people that have already passed their expiration date, I've just reached, reset that expiration date. I can do that. How are you going to feel like your life's falling apart if Jesus is right there with you all the time? I mean, maybe I can't move the mountains with prayer, but he can, right? Like... <laughs> But Jesus' words are, it's better 
that I go away so the counselor can come. See, here's the problem. And don't get me wrong, I'm not diminishing Jesus. Jesus has the name that's above every other name. He, God, God's lifted him up that at his name every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he's Lord. And I can't diminish that even if I try. And this morning, I, I want you to hear this. I'm not trying to diminish our view of Jesus, but I am saying that Jesus says, I am telling the truth. We need to lift up our view of the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, man, there's one just like me coming, right? It's not like, oh, God the Father up here, and then God the Son down here, and then the way down here, there's God the Holy Spirit, and he just shows up during the bridge of the song. Like, that's not the hierarchy of the Godhead. That's not how it works. They're co-equal. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost is level playing field, is what it's saying. And the Father lifted up the name of Jesus, and, and, and Jesus here exalts the name of the Holy Spirit. And he looks at these guys who he's walked with for three and a half years, and he says, I'm leaving. But I want you to know, man, it's about to get good. Because there's a counselor, there's a comforter, there's the Holy Spirit. You know that guy we talked about all the Old Testament, and like every once in a while he would fall on one person, and they would see the mighty acts of God happen in their life for just a short purpose, and he would go back into heaven. That guy is coming, and he's not going to fall on one person for a few minutes. He's not going to fall on one person for a few seconds or maybe even for a year. Like he's coming, and he's moving in. He's taking up residence in you, and it's better. It's better that I go away. Because there's one just like me. There's one with the same power and the same ability. There's one like me that's coming. He is this comforter, counselor, king. There's this Holy Spirit, and he is moving in. He's taking up residence. He's moving in the neighborhood with you. So no, it wouldn't be better if I woke up next to you in the morning and we rolled out of bed and I drove you down to the Starbucks. Like That wouldn't be better because right now I want you to know not only do you have access and you have access and you have access, everybody has access. So let me ask you, how can you feel like your world's falling apart when God is living in you and the Holy Spirit, this forgotten promise of God, has moved in and taken up residence? He's got the same power. He's not just for the bridge of the song. How, how can you feel like you got no hope if you've got the Holy Spirit living in you? How can you feel like you're defeated when, when the essence of victory, the evidence of victory is living inside of you? How can you feel like that? See, the reality of it is that doesn't come from the fact that the Holy Spirit is not powerful. It comes from the fact that we are not sensitive, nor do we know what the Holy Spirit is capable of. See, the truth of it is, Jesus says over and over and over and over again, there's a Holy Spirit coming, there's a Holy Spirit coming, there's a comforter coming, there's a counselor coming, there's somebody coming, he's moving in, I'm moving out, I'm going back to heaven, I'm going to sit at the right hand of the Father, I'm going to make intercession for you, I'm going to be up there, and I'm going to be like, oh yeah, they did a dumb thing, but man, my blood's on that. Oh yeah, they, there they go again, Dad, I know they're sinning, I mean, it's sad, I hate that, that's why I died though, so I mean, forgive them. But while I'm up there doing my job up there, there's God just like me doing his job in you. He's moving in. Can I just say today that what we need to do as the church is elevate, not, not diminish who Jesus is or diminish who the Father is, but know that there are three parts of the Godhead for a reason. Right? There's God above us, God the Father, and then there's Emmanuel, Jesus, God with us, so we can have a relationship with him. But then there's God in us, which is the Holy Spirit. Right? 
with all the power and the presence and the personality and the goodness and the grace and the mercy that comes from all the other parts of God, that guy's living in us. Oh yeah, maybe it seems like on the outside everything's falling apart, but on the inside, man, I have God. I mean, maybe it feels like there's no way that I'm going to get through this. Well, man, I just want you to know there is a way you're going to get through this, and it's called the Holy Spirit, and he lives in you. Jesus himself says, man, it's better that I go away. It's a gain for you that I go away. It's an advance to you that I go away. It's profit for you that I go away. Man, I'm going up into heaven. I'm going to die on the cross for you, and then I'm going to raise, and I'm going to walk around for a couple days, but I just want you to know when I leave, I'm not leaving you empty-handed. I'm not leaving you hopeless. I'm not leaving you without. I'm not leaving you in a less position. I'm leaving you in a more position. Today, you can step out of the less and into the more. Because then it's an, it's an advance for you that I go away. See, the reality of it is so many of us feel so hopeless and feel like our world's falling apart and feel like everything's crashing around us because we forget God did not leave us alone. We forget, man, God is not just hanging out up in heaven waiting to come back and get us. That's not how it works. It says that the Holy Spirit is the down payment. Right? The Word of God says that. Look it up. Google it later. You don't even have to know where it is. Google it. Google finds everything. It says the Holy Spirit is the down payment of what God's going to do in the future. You know why it's the down payment? Not because it's less. It's because God left, to get, Jesus left to go to heaven and he's making a spot for us and God said, you know what, I don't want to leave you empty handed so I'm putting a part of the Godhead, I'm putting a part of the Trinity down in your heart just to let you know, man, one day all the parts of the Godhead are going to be united and you're there and that's a more like you can't even comprehend. See, we started with the Father, right? Genesis chapter 1, started with the Father. Jesus was there. I can make a real good argument for that later, but I don't have time, so I'm going to get mad. And then Jesus came, separated from God for years and years and years and years and years. There was a gap of like 400 years between the last time God spoke in the Bible and when Jesus showed up on the planet. And most of us think we're living in the gap today. God, you're not speaking. You're not listening. How's God not speaking? He's not like having to deliver himself from heaven. He's not having to phone a friend to get it to you. Like God's living in you if you know Jesus. God's probably speaking all the time. You just keep telling him to shut up. Oh, you're not Jesus. You're not important. You're just for the bridge. And Jesus is looking at us and he's like, you're not living in the gap, people. Oh, I don't know what God wants me to do with my life. Listen, the Holy Spirit lives in you. I don't, I don't know how I could ever talk to blah, blah, blah about Jesus. We just quit talking about that, right? We're not going to quit talking about that. Well, you can because the Holy Spirit lives in you. God, some, something the same as Jesus, right? God, the same as Jesus, same power, same person, same personality. He lives in you. It's an advance for you. You don't have to go get Jesus from heaven and bring him down here to talk to Uncle Bob about Jesus like the Holy Spirit lives in you. So you're not living in the gap. You're just treating the Holy Spirit like he's less than God. Like he's just God's shadow, like he's just a part, like he's just a particle of God. And he's saying, no, I'm really here and I really am a part of the Godhead. I'm, a tr I'm part of the Trinity. There's a Father, there's a Son, and the Holy Spirit. And if you'll just lean into that, if you'll just be sensitive to that, if you'll just elevate that, if you'll just realize, man, 
There's more to this thing than where you're living right now. You can live every single day in the power and the presence of God. You don't have to wait till you roll into church. Because the Holy Spirit lives in you. Can I just say these words that Jesus said? I'm telling you the truth. It's better that I go away. I don't know. I don't know how. Grab it. You don't have to come to the comprehension of that right now. You just grab onto that. It's better that I go away because when I go away, I'm sending a comforter, a counselor, and his name is the Holy Spirit, and he is God. And he's going to come, and he's going to move in to your heart. And you're never going to have to feel alone. You might feel alone, but you don't have to. And you're never going to have to feel forgotten. You may feel forgotten, but you don't have to. And you're never going to have to feel like God doesn't hear. If you talk loud enough, he's like in you. He can hear you, right? Like, you don't have to feel like God doesn't hear or he's forgot you. It's hard to forget somebody you are inside of. It's better that I go away. So the comforter, the counselor, the Holy Spirit can come. Amen. This morning, let's elevate our view of the promise of God. Let's elevate our view of what God has given us access to. People in the Old Testament would have died for this. Died for the thing that lives in you. Let's pray.